you know, what you're saying there, there's a way that the masculine energy, it's like we have people have, we have to be this way. And there's like a two sort of truth. Through my own experience, I know that when as a man, when I'm strong in my boundaries, when I resource myself, I don't need validation from the feminine, another woman or women or society, I feel solid and powerful. I know that a woman responds to that in terms of the safety she feels or the sexual chemistry or the intimacy. Now, I know that is a truth, but at the same time, in my own journey, putting that pressure and expectation on myself to be like that has caused me harm because it's built complexes of shame where I'm like, oh, I'm not the man I need to be. I'm not man enough. I'm not good enough. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am alcohol-free as fuck. And I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, like right now. How is everybody out there? You doing well? I hope you are. I hope you are. I am in fine fettle, as they say. Uh, Things at Strive are going really well. Uh, Things in my personal life have never been better. Just enjoyed my uh, 10-year wedding anniversary with my beautiful wife, Liza. Had an amazing pharmacy as well. So feeling very special and very doted upon in this household at the moment. And we all need a bit of that from time to time, right? I just want to just say to all of you listening to this that um, I'm a master life coach, trained and honed as a weapon by the Elementum Coaching Institute through such luminaries as Preston Smiles, Alexi Panos, Christine Hasler, and Stefanos Safandos. And I have clients from all over the world, men and women, and they work with me on a variety of different stuff. In fact, um, very few of them are actually working on uh, addiction to alcohol. And that's because when you come to strive with an alcohol problem, it's never an alcohol problem that you have, right? There's always something um, beneath that uh, that really needs to be explored and discovered and understood, right? So I have clients from all over the world, and they've all got very different issues and problems, but they all have one thing in common that I wanted to share with you today. And this is that they all have more power than they think they have over the situation they come in to me for. All right. So a a prime, very simple, easy example of of this is a client who has, um, uh, let's say we have a man, he has a wife and he is um, really annoyed and really frustrated at her and everything that she is doing or not doing, it is sabotaging a relationship. Okay. And he's absolutely powerless because he keeps trying to get her to change and he keeps trying to ask her to do this and that and the other. He keeps explaining to her that his needs are not being met and his wants and his desires. Nothing is changing, right? And that theme, this um, uh, almost like a cultural, globally cultural thing we have of looking outside of ourselves for the answers is is not the way we do things here at Strive. And it's not the way that I, I approach my guidance as a coach, right? It's because... I believe that our, in our higher power is within ourselves, right? All the answers that we need are within ourselves. Uh, and if you use the example that I did of the relationship, if you could focus on what is it that I need to work on here? What is it that I need uh, to change within myself? Where am I not responding um, to this individual from love and kindness? Where is the mirror 
that has been reflected to back to me in her behavior that I uh, despise in myself or I wish and I covered, but something stops me from going there, right? So all of my clients have this, is they're looking outside of themselves for something to change for them to be cured. And it's not outside of themselves. The answers are always within. So just spend a little moment today uh, ruminating on the many issues and problems that you have in your life, alcohol addiction being one of them. And instead of looking outside of yourself for the problem, ask, where is it within me that I have the power um, to uh, change this situation in a very positive way? Okay. I want to take a moment to honor uh, my strivers, three in particular this week. I just want to say shout out to Susie and to Polly and to Stella. All three of them are very, very active in our Strive community on Zoom and in Discord. And I just want all three of you, because I know you listen to this, I want you all to know that I see you, that I hear you, and that all three of you matter to me. Social structures and communities, they really are built around their leaders. Uh, They're built around the people who are courageous enough and vulnerable enough to share their voice, to share their opinions, to to share their lives. Um, And without that, there is no community. Uh, So Susie, Polly, Stella, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for all the work you do at Strive. I really appreciate you. Okay. So we have a a great offer for you. If you want to be alcohol-free as fuck, um, you are going to need to manage your cravings. If you think about it, without cravings, there is no urge to drink, right? So I created a little mini video, a little short training video. It's called the Crush Your Alcohol Cravings Cheat Code. And if you go over to www.thestrivemethod.com and sign up to take that course today, it's completely free, You will, your name will go into a draw that will be made on the 15th of July. And if your name is pulled out of the hat, you will receive a free Strive annual subscription worth $1,200. So you will come and join us in Strive and get all the group coaching, access to the community, all the Zoom calls. You get access to the Strive method and all the quests and the assignments free for a year, courtesy of um, a donor that's come from the poker industry that just said, Lee, I love your work. I don't need your help, but I really want to help somebody else. And I said, well, do you want to help somebody for a year? And they said, yes. So Get over to www.thestrivemethod.com, sign up for the Crusher Alcohol Cravings Cheat Code. Your email will be inputted, and then we will put that into the draw, which will be made on 15th of July, all right? If you do like this podcast, if you listen to it and you get a lot of value out of it and um, a lot of wisdom, and it really helps you in life, right? If that is true, please rate and review the show so other people can find it, but also check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So just type in Strive Method on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We've really ramped up our content, and you will not find the same content on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. All right? Oh, and Substack. So check out our Substack and join our email list. All of those tribute tweets, I promise you, we are producing different new creative content that will help you live um, a conscious life, alcohol-free as fuck, okay? All right. On to our guest today. So I'm going to speak to Christian Martineau today. Christian is a mentor and a coach who is passionate about exploring the human condition and helping people thrive in their lives and relationships. Through his own lived experience and challenges, he is interested in how we can live life oriented to wellness, what it means to be a man in today's world, and how couples can best show up in their relationships in compassion, love, and understanding. 
Understanding trauma and our nervous system is at the center point, and he loves to be by the beach, practicing yoga, making music, eating nourishing food, and exploring somatic practices. He is a most beautiful individual. He has the most incredible energy. And if you want to do work one-on-one with Christian, then either reach out to me at thestrivemethod.gmail.com or follow his links to follow his work and get his email contact, okay? He is an incredible coach, incredible coach. And I'm hoping to convince him to come on board at Strive at some day in the future. He's an amazing, amazing human being. And today is a kind of a part one of, of two, actually, uh, where we explore uh, the dynamics of masculine and feminine energy, not masculine and feminine gender types. So we're not talking about men and women here. We're talking about the masculine and the feminine energies inherent within all men and all women, right? Um, and just sharing really our knowledge and our personal experience of working and observing and being aware of and manipulating these energies to be able to live a self-led life. And in the next uh, part, which we'll have a part two, we're going to talk about masculine and feminine energies and how they show up in our sex and our intimacy uh, lives. Okay. So without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of the incredible, the beautiful, the sexy as fuck, Christian Martinau. Dude, you just look like the world. Then you look like totally green. <laughs> the old uh, Zoom filters. How are you doing, man? It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. Yeah. And um, it feels like yeah. connecting with you and connecting with another two men actually today mm -hmm. it feels mm -hmm. like i've gone on a journey and this is the completion of a cycle it's like a homecoming you know or the yeah so it feels quite um special in that way but it's been a journey of what i would call into the darkness or the descent mm -hmm. and masculine and feminine you know if the, the topic is if you still want to speak about this it feels yeah. very relevant to it as so, well. So when you say it's a, it, it, it descent into the darkness, it sounds like uh, Robert Bly's Catabasis. Like you've been, you've been in the dirt, you've been in the ashes, you've been in the the, the still water, um, and growth and development always comes from that. So that's really exciting. Uh, but I I want to ask you. We'll cover that, I'm sure. But the first question I wanted to ask you was, when was the first time that you came across this idea that masculine and feminine, those two words, were not just gender-based. They, 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 they were actually that some people viewed them as energy-based, and then that allowed you a new perspective to look at those two words as they apply to you in both thought and feeling, and you're like, holy cow. Like So when did you first learn that, and how, how did that frame of reference then impact your life? I don't remember the, the exact moment that that registered, but through my personal experience, it's more, yeah, just a reference point to have felt or seen different qualities of myself. And I, I see it as almost judgment. So it's like I'm very organized. I judge myself as that's a masculine quality. I am very sensitive emotionally and intuitively I judge that as a feminine quality in myself and 
whilst I see that we all have all these different qualities, I've also noticed that, you know, it's not, it's not just, just gender, but there are different people that are in different bodies will have different qualities. By the makeup of I'm born in the body of a man, there are certain, you know, hormones, like there are physiological and physical differences that have become really clear to me, whether that be through the moon cycles or through my own health and speaking to health practitioners about hormones or body work, knowing that different emotions or different beings in different bodies will have different issues and challenges, whether it's to do with the womb, whether it's to do with sexual energy or where a man stores certain emotions, maybe subtly different to a woman. Mm. So there are these, I think, gender nuances, yet also there is the ability for us to explore all those different qualities in ourselves. Mm. That's through my personal experience, I would say. I love that. What, um, what is present for me there is self-awareness. Like yeah. um, you're expressing to me a, if, a very deep self-awareness. If we, if we imagine self-awareness as a video game, <laughs> you, I, I think when I grew up, I, I would say for the first 35 years of my life, I was playing the first level of the video game of self-awareness. And then from 35 to 45, I was playing the second level. I Maybe I'm on level three now or level four, but I, I'm still not that far. And then what you're, what, when you I hear you... You are your age now, are you? <laughs> yeah, you're on level three. Wow. Yeah, I and I, I yeah. just hear you describe it like level ten. Um, <laughs> but that, like that self, that self awareness <laughs> is so important. That's it's so important because, like, if I think back to my earliest understandings of masculine, feminine, it is I am a man. I define as a man. I have genitals. I look around me, and everybody else is a man. You know, my daughter, she's six. She says, dad, why have you got a penis and I got a vagina? Like, so that, that is like straight out like my masculine feminine. And then I look at my mom and she's supposed to be the feminine one. So that's my archetype of feminine. And my dad is a masculine, you know, I want to be my, my dad. Culture drives me that way. And culture also tells me that anything feminine is wrong and everything masculine, we ha I have to hyper accentuate it because I'm going to be accepted more. And that is my view of masculine and feminine energy. Of not energy. It's my view of the masculine feminine as words that then cultivates in my beliefs and my paradigms until literally I'm 35 when I have a life, I have my catabasis moment when I stop drinking. But even then it does not go up to another level of understanding until I'm in my 40s. And I can't stress enough the negative impact that has on the most intimate relationships in my life, my lack of self-awareness of these two particularly powerful words that eventually become so much more than that. And if you want to comment on any of that. Before I comment, like, I'm curious to hear for you that negative impact you talk about, like at those different points of awareness, how did that negatively impact you? And then when you grew in awareness how did that negative like what has mm. that impact been to where you are today now mm. what's your relationship to that i think uh, some of the key things that come up for me and i'm sure the the audience will relate to this is being in a relationship with a woman 
for over 20 years where you think you are deep in love, that you are showing up and your point of reference, your your foundational springboard towards this woman is care, love, attention, all those things. Like you would die for this woman type of energy. And then you get divorced and then she asks for a divorce. <laughs> and, and, and not until many years later could I even take responsibility for my part in it, right? Because the, and how was I able to do that? Just an insight into how the masculine and feminine energies were showing up in my life and how that was really impacting her in a horrifically negative way. So there's, there's that. And also I say another big one is um, my son. So my son is 22 now and I have a daughter who is six and understanding my lack of awareness of masculine and feminine energies, I can see it in the growth and development of my son and my awareness of masculine and feminine energies. I see it in the awareness of my daughter and I struggle to help my son and guide my son with all this kind of knowledge that I have. And again, inherent in that is my, I would say my unhealthy masculine and my unhealthy feminine comes up, fix it energy, you know, all that kind of stuff with him. So yeah, I, w- I would see, I would say those, those, there's many more, but those two reference points really stand out for me as holy shit, things would have been so different if I would have known this or been taught this by somebody when I was a lot younger. And would you say that your relationship to fathering a daughter and son is very different for you? Like that brings up those differences? I would say it's, this is so interesting, right? Like, a lot of people, when I'm helping people quit alcohol, a lot of people come to me and say how important it is to receive coaching by somebody who has been through their experience, right? Versus going to a doctor or a therapist who has learned about addiction in a book but not experienced it. I had no clue that parenting a girl would be any different than parenting a boy. I, I didn't. I just. I just thought there'd be kids. I thought I would be able to deal with it differently, and they're they're very different. I'm also, I need to be aware that I could have 10 daughters and they could all be different, right? And I could have 10 sons and they could all be different. I think the biggest thing for me is, is more about recognizing for me that my unhealthy feminine and my unhealthy masculine, I, I mean, just let's just first start by saying the framework of which I've learned and I've kind of taken on as my tether is that there's a healthy masculine and unhealthy and there's healthy feminine and unhealthy. For me, recognizing that the unhealthy feminine and masculine comes from my ego, comes from my parts, and my healthy masculine and my healthy feminine comes from myself, my soul, my that beautiful part of me within me that just knows all the answers and knows everything and doesn't need to look out outside of itself for approval, security, control. That that's the most important thing for me, I think, is is learning that. And then the journey then becomes like really spectacular and interesting and curiosity you know some of these unhealthy masculine and unhealthy feminine traits you know i want to talk to you about them because i i get interested about them and i get confused about them and you know i mean you know to add another layer to this i I feel like there's this masculine and feminine healthy and healthy but then we can start to bring in the rites of passage or internal family systems which is we have a you know for, for example in us we have a young boy we have a teenager consciousness. We have a young man's consciousness. 
the one who wants to, you know, uh, create an empire, you know, like, they, you know, create. That's a na- these are natural time frames and ages in our life. Then we have the man consciousness yeah. and then we have the elder consciousness. You know, I've spoken to a few men who are just about 60. They've created their purpose. They've, they're now, like, sitting back on the rocking chair and, like, how do I contribute here? So. Yeah. We can't develop this wisdom with that. There is a wisdom that comes with age. Yet, as you'd be aware, not all older men are in the consciousness of older man or elder. Yes. No, no way. It does come with age, but it also doesn't mean it comes for everyone. Mm. And, you know, to give myself as an example on this, you know, there's points in my life where I'm like, I feel powerful. I feel masculine. I feel in my power. And then... To give you the examples of some things that happened, you know, this last period, it's like some things knock me off that center and then begin to show me what was in the unconscious. And then my view of reality begins to change to go, actually, I've been operating from a young teenager consciousness Mm. when I Mm. thought I was being a man. Wow, here is the wound in my child that I uncover in counseling from the unconscious again around uh, neglect, let's say. Mm. And when my young boy is a five-year-old, six-year-old, little, it could be little things that parents don't know about, you know, earlier on around, oh, this child's crying and we'll just keep responding to it in this way, but it wasn't what I needed, neglect. This young boy learns, I don't know how to nurture my needs because no one's shown me how to nurture my needs. I'm now an adult man, but I don't know how to nurture my needs and therefore be in a relationship and nurture someone else's needs. Right. And so there's this little boy who's in a, a body learning to crawl, you could say. Yeah. So there's these layers. Cause when you bring in this masculine feminine, you know, I was part of a group in a community that I was looking for that guidance, that eldership. And I soon found out that their model didn't work for me. It's, you know, what you're saying there, there's a way that the masculine energy, it's like we have people have, we have to be this way, you know, and there's like a two sort of truth in it. Through my own experience, I know that when as a man, when I'm strong in my boundaries, when I resource myself, I don't need validation from the feminine, another woman or women or society, I feel solid and powerful. Yeah. I know that a woman responds to that in terms of the safety she feels or the sexual chemistry or the intimacy. Mm. Now, I know that is a truth. But at the same time, in my own journey, putting that pressure and expectation on myself to be like that has caused me harm because it's built complexes of shame where I'm like, oh, I'm not the man I need to be. I'm not man enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not who I need to be. I compare myself to others. And then that brings me back to this continuous lens of self-love. And I've learned, okay, all this masculine, all this feminine, there is truth in it. Like I can see it clear as day. But in all levels and all layers, I need to watch that judgment. I need to have awareness of what's going on to go, cool, I'm a little boy right now. My little boy is so scared. He's showing up as a little boy in relationship or whatever it is, but I'm not going to fix him. I'm not going to shame myself. I'm going to love this little boy who didn't learn to have love. And in that moment, the masculine feminine is not, not that important, right? It's just love because for me, it's, it's all important, but 
to remember outside of these distinctions that, you know, there are so many parts, there are masculine, feminine, and it's just this continuous journey for the rest of our life of that. Do you know, do you know what I, I think about when you, when, you, when you share your journey there? Uh, a memory comes up for me of playing Tomb Raider with my ex-wife, right? The game, the video game. And it's like to get through every level, you have to find certain, you have to find and solve certain puzzles or certain trinkets. Like you, you, you have to grow your awareness within the level, like I was saying to you earlier, to get past. So, you know, for example, what I'm hearing you saying is you have this capacity and I'm just going to explain it in the framework that I understand, but you had this capacity to slip into your self energy and be an observer of your parts of your inner child, your boy psychology energy. And then you're able to provide and, and, and give love to that part of you, which enables you to engender a consistent practice of love and compassion for yourself and acceptance that you you are in in a sense and it's a hackneyed term but perfectly imperfect right like i see my wounds i understand my frailties and i love and and i accept all of them and then but going back to the video game element you know and for people who like first time listeners to this podcast for example right like i'm aiming this at, at you it's like for me before we get to that point the boy part for me took over like it, it it took over who I was. It took the boy pushed self into a coffin, nailed it down hard, and then the boy took on the, the the hero archetype and went for it for many years. Right. A good example is I'm away with a lad. Like even now, I'll 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 notice on social media or or, a, or I'll ask a friend, old friend, what they're up to, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to Benidorm with the lads for the weekend." And I'm like, you still go to Benidorm with the lads? And I know that nothing's changed. They're not going for culture. <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're just going to drink as much as they can, get into really dangerous sexual situations that they don't want to get into, but they kind of do want to get into. They're going to fight. They're going to do all this kind of stuff and come back again. And I now recognize that it's like boy hero energy, but that was who I was. And it wasn't until... I pick up a book or I guess, I guess it's not until I contextually change my life. And what I mean by that is the, how I'm going to run my life now. It's almost like a, I wake up one day and I say, how I'm going to run my life is going to be different context, right? I'm going to make education the forefront of my kind of like life. I'm going to read books. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to get coaches. I'm going to do all that kind of stuff. And now that becomes important. Now, all of a sudden, using the Tomb Raider reference, I find a little nugget. I find a parchment hidden in a in a little cave, and it tells me about boy psychology and man psychology. And a light bulb goes on, and I'm like, holy shit, that relates to me. And then I speak to my wife and say, oh, look at this parchment that I just found in a cave. And she says, holy fuck, I've been trying to tell you that for the last 10 years. Do you have any idea what it's like to be married to a boy? And then it all comes out. And it's like shame, guilt, defensiveness, anger, frustration. She's throwing me a shame grenade. I'm fucking throwing it back. And if you're not prepared for all that, like, like it's, it could be a head fuck. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation, right? Because 
so many men will be in relationships with women and they they love each other um and be very heterosexual now because it's the only world i know right and they'll be that they'll love each other but they'll they'll be hating each other and they won't have an, a, a fucking clue why right you know that anyway that that's what come up for me when you're talking and from first-hand experience i totally know what you're talking about and even though i have awareness of these things i myself i'm in that shit show yeah yeah, yeah shit show. Language. like I have the awareness. I can see into others. Yes, awareness is the first step. And those wounds that are that are in me, when they are triggered, when they are activated, you know, that requires all the sitting with discomfort. And my personal experience at the moment is in the last year, life has shown me it's like all my wounds. I'm sure there are yeah. plenty more, but it's like here are the here are the main ones. I'm wrong. I'm not good enough. I know it's to do with my parents, my mother, but again, no blame. Like this is the the human existence. We all have wounds and we have wounds in certain areas. And even though I have awareness of that step one, how to love them, how to create that relationship with myself whilst managing life, work, relationship, friendships, navigating this capitalist world right what i see you know to stereotype a little bit here mm. women or, or, or people that identify with women that identify with the feminine essence primarily so imagine we've got all of it but we have a we have a, an essence in us we're either a masculine or feminine essence that could be a, a woman has a masculine essence a man either is right not wrong and then we also have an emotional essence so my emotions could be more masculine more feminine. So let me give you an example of that. Like for me, I identify more with being uh, masculine in that I love order. I love purpose. I think linearly. I see things like that. Yeah. The feminine essence is like flow and dancing and joy and chaos and moving around. And that's like, yeah, the essence. Now at an emotional level, a masculine, more emotional center is like I hold, I contain. Mm. I keep it to myself, whereas feminine, more feminine emotions is more I need to share, I process through this. So I identify with the masculine essence, but I actually feel like I'm more feminine in my emotions. Now, when there are people out there with this kind of framework that you, it's like a man, you need to be masculine. This is what creates the polarity and the pole with the woman to create safety. But then you add these layers of, well, what about their emotions? As a man, okay, so I need to be on my purpose. I need to know my boundaries. I need to know myself. But in my emotions, I may need to know myself enough to go, actually, I need people to hold space for my emotions. Whether that's men or a partner, it's like, can I ask, hey, I've got these emotions, can I share with you? And can I be okay with that? Mm. Whereas, again, you can get into the ideology of as a man, contain your emotions. Yeah. Doesn't mean... You know, there's a journey for men. Some men can't even feel them, express them. That's unhealthy masculine, what you're talking about. The next layer is learning to share, but then we can go too far in just becoming emotional mess and the male, you know, the hormonal balance goes off and we become mess. I've been there. So I'm still like learning, falling off, you know, falling off the steps to try and understand. And in my own experience, I can see... I see, I really have compassion for men because 
whether this is the cultural narrative or whatever's going on, what I feel in me is earn money. If I want a family, I need to earn money and provide safety. But how the world is set up, I'm a man. I'm distracted by you put sexualized things, you know, women that are so beautiful all over the place, the joy that comes up. But if I just carry this heaviness of responsibility, depression, how many men feel the weight of that world of responsibility and are depressed? How many men have not been shown the way for their inner boy and their child? So, so many men are living as a boy because that boy just never got the love he needed from a mother or father. So that's yeah. still operating as I need, you know, you mentioned men going out for sexual experiences. It's just this mother wound of I need feminine validation, but it's not my fault. That's genuinely I get dopamine when I get that. How mm. do I start to detox from that relationship of I don't need feminine validation. I need to love myself and start to become secure in myself, but also create stability to create an internal mountain in myself to be able to hold earning money if you want to become a father, you know, being able to hold the chaos of the world. And if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you know, the emotions that may come through the hormones of a woman or, you know, as a woman's going through birth, potentially some years there of being a sole provider if she's going to be at home with the child, you know. So these real-world challenges, right, but it relates to so many layers, as you say, inside of myself. And I haven't got the answer yet or solution. I don't know if anyone has. You know, speaking to an older man, 60-year-old man today, he's like, he falls off the bandwagon sometimes. He's a man still, do you know? Yeah. But it really is showing me how important my daily practice is to myself. Do I have practices that ground me in my own mind, where I'm going, manage my mental health, my anxiety? Do I eat well? You know, do I have my spiritual practices? Do I have a job, right, that I'm not so depressed in? And these are so many factors that I think I've come to realize only in my 30s now is like this world is going to be full of tribulations and challenges and falls. It isn't no longer that innocent, you know, pure, joyful, naive existence, you know. Mm. And And really now this starts to be the hero's journey. And now I really get at a deeper level the importance of men's work and being around men because what my father can't provide me as an embodiment for no wrongdoing in his part, I need to learn from other older men of all different types and kinds to not box myself into that, oh, to be a man is like this kind of man in the world, but to have the different expressions of that and just learn from their eldership and their wisdom, which has come with age and experience. If you're tired of losing the battle to alcohol cravings day in and day out, then you need to learn the alcohol paradigm hack. This hack turned me from a two decade long drinker to someone with virtually zero desire to drink. And the best part, it took a matter of days, not months. And you can put this hack into action today. And if you want to learn the secret, head over to the description code below to watch my brand new 100% free course that crushed your alcohol cravings cheat code. And if you're quick 
and sign up before July 15th, we will stick you in a raffle to win a one-year Strive membership. And that's valued at $1,200. So $1,200 of value that could change your life just for registering and watching this free course, okay? So get over there, be seen, be heard, matter, strive on. We love you. See you later. Back home with the pod. I dodged that a bit. I, I'm, I'm aware that I dodged that. I remember, um, I remember being in Burning Man, and I went. I it's one of the things that I attended was uh, was a men's circle. I can't remember the I can't remember the name of the organization, but I felt I felt so uncomfortable in there. And then there was some there was some exercises I did in other tents where you walk around with your eyes closed, and then you you have to stop and touch somebody, and then you have to dance for them. And every time I got a man, you know, and I felt so uncomfortable and I feel uncomfortable in gyms. And it's really weird because I, I grew up as a footballer, hyper competitive, right? Like that was like how I did. I fought physically like, um, but there, there's definitely a trusting with men that I don't have. But I also think, been thinking about this, I was, I used to say, I feel so much more comfortable and so much more safe when I'm around women. And while there's an element of truth in that, I also think my shadow side feels comfortable because it thinks it can control and dominate and be in a position of status and power over women, which I, I think is definitely been a paradigm that I inherited from my parents and still shows up today, like still shows up today, right? Like, it's really difficult for me to shake the the idea or the framework that a man is stronger than a woman, that a man has his shit together more than a woman, that a, that a man should earn the money and not the woman, that the man is going to keep the family safe, not the woman. I still find it really difficult for that to not be my reality, to, to, to look at women and be like, no, 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 that is not my reality. Because it was in, seared into my brain that that is the way it goes. And I see it every day on telly. I see it every day in the movies. I see it every day in magazines. And you, you're constantly battling against it. And this is for me where, like, I think, keep coming back to compassion. Or me and Liza have been talking about our relationship so much, right? Like, one way of recognizing the unhealthy masculine and feminine in myself is through Stephen Kessler's work with the, uh, the five personality patterns. I don't know if you're aware of Kez's work. He's been a guest on his podcast, actually. So if you're listening, check it out, the five personality patterns. And what one of my dominant personality pattern is like aggressive, right? So I don't trust people. I feel like everybody lets me down. And when I feel unsafe, I get very aggressive. I get very angry. I get unkind. My parts seek to control. And that's really difficult for Liza because she wants to feel safe in a relationship. And if I'm in my aggressive pattern, uh, she doesn't feel safe and she doesn't trust me. Now, if she doesn't feel safe and she doesn't trust me, then many things happen in your relationship. But one of them is intimacy goes out the fucking window, right? It's like, why would anyone want to lay down with you and, and, and let you touch them if they don't feel safe, right? And then at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, I recognize I have this aggressive pattern. I am working on it every fucking day. So when it comes up and I don't want it to and it wreaks havoc, and you start shouting at me, there's a part of me demanding that you have compassion with this pattern. 
And there's a rigid part of me that's also saying, and this pattern is going to be here until the day I die. So you have to love this pattern and I'm not feeling you're loving it. And it's, it's, it's so confusing, right? Because for Liza, she's like, this is so contradictory. Why can't you just get, why can't you just get rid of it? Like, I can't get rid of it. I'm ex- I myself, I'm, I'm accepting and trying to love this thing. And at the same time, I'm looking at your, your patterns and your inner children and your wounds and your unhealthy feminine, unhealthy masculine. And I'm, and I know my life's mission is to love them somehow. Like we have no chance of existing together for the rest of our lives if I can't love them. And at the same time, Christian, this is, this is urging me for moral. It's like a moral and ethical kind of like cudgel of, and you must do the same as me. And sometimes I had this thought the other day. My first relationship with my first wife, I was so clueless. And sometimes it comes up in my mind, was it better to be clueless? Because now I've got all this shit fucking flying at me. I don't know how to control it all. But when I was clueless, I never had these problems. But of course, I fucking did because my life was a fucking mess and I didn't have no anchor, right? But yeah, over to you. 100%. Look, as I've been in so much challenge, like really a lot, mentally, physically, all of this, and every, everyone I see, practitioners, counsellors, whatever, you have so much awareness. Wow, your ability, your awareness. And your, yet it's that ignorance is bliss piece of I have so much awareness and sensitivity in my body. Like if I go off in my decisions or little things, my organs go out. Mm. My physical body goes out. One of my friends said to me, you have so much pain tolerance in your body. Now, I don't want that. Like like I see other people that are off track and don't, you know, whatever, they can just keep pushing through per se. But for whatever reason, I can't. And the complex that that leads to for me is the mentalist. So if I'm in fight or flight, my body will send all these thoughts into my brain and it will just repeat these. So even though I've got the awareness, it's not releasing. And what I'm having to come to learn to of myself of what you're speaking about there is self-love typically doesn't look the way I always think it's going to look, you know, and I have to find ways to, you know, what you're talking about there, this might be complex for some listeners, but when I've come up against what I would call Mr. Self-Hatred, you know, going deep into this basement, Mr. Shame, I noticed that another part of me is looking at those called Mr. Judgment. And when I go in these cycles of like, I'm not good enough and I'm never going to get anywhere, then I start to create a relationship with Mr. Self-Judgment the other day. And I'm seeing, wow, this part of me that's judging others and myself is so upset because I'm trying to fix or push him away because I don't want to be in these uncomfortable feelings of hating myself and shame. So I'm trying to get rid of him when he's gone. I'm doing this. I'm just designed here to do this. Judgment, my brain, survival, protection mechanism. Mm. I, this is my design. Love me. Mm. Mr. Judgment, I love you. Thank you for carrying so much responsibility for all my parts, for judging all of them, for judging others to protect me. And you're trying to keep me safe from all of this. I love you as you are. You don't need to change. And then he might cry. He might feel seen. And then he still goes, but I don't want to do this. This is hurting this whole kingdom of Christian. And it's, it's just causing him pain in his life. Everyone's it's like, it's okay. And I'm going to have to let go of some things or make decisions that I don't want to make. 
but that's okay because this is where you're at, Mr. Self-Judgment. And I used to get in a cycle of I need to constantly evolve myself. I need to put myself in uncomfortable situations and be better or whatever it is versus this energy of self-love. You could say it's feminine in some way of just going, this is where I'm at. I am not perfect. No one's perfect, even though parts of me think that. Everyone's got something going on and I'm just going to accept myself for how I am. And my soul is all-knowing, you know, as you said, I can be anything, anything as possible. And my human, I have wounds. And not to be in a disempowering, I don't mean this in a disempowering way, but I have limits and I have specific needs or whatever it is, you know, I'm talking about safety. Like there are situations that are unsafe for me. You know, I'll give you an example. Trust in women or men. I've had a few experiences in my life where a man has said into my face and eyes, I won't get in the way, you, you can trust me, and then betrayal, and then heartbreak, and then having to be around really traumatic experiences that I thought didn't impact me so much, and they've really impacted my level of insecurity, you know, threat, you know, and then that man thing of the man, you know, men more penetrative or yeah. you know, sexual beings, right, and you know, women the dance and the receive and, you know, the perception. And I have these wounds now and they cause me impact in relationship or just, just in like what you're talking about there is like I always felt safer with women and then there was a period in my life I started getting super triggered by women because I started to recognise that my masculine qualities were looking to develop. I just yeah. wanted to be around men who could sit there in peace, who could hold that energy. I'm trying to develop that in myself. Whereas with women, I was very talkative and it's easy and I'm probably getting some validation from my mum, you know, mm. I, you know. And so, but to recognise I got these wounds and they may reduce impact, but they may be the wounds I carry for the rest of my life and maybe they're my sacred gold. Maybe it's not something to fix or whatever it may be, but maybe that is a sacred thing that gives me a sensitivity and a compassion and how can I take care of myself and put myself first around those wounds, right? Mm. To not, you know, classic men think, not people please, not put other people first, not make decisions that take me off my centre, but put that first. Mm. I love all that. Can we talk a little bit about, oh, I, there's, there's, there's something that's happening in my a benefit that I got out of this way of being and understanding and awareness in my relationship with Liza was, and I think it came from David Dieter's work, really. It was understanding that um, or identifying that I have a, a, masculine, a masculine sexual essence and that Liza has a feminine sexual essence. And then recognizing that when Liza is in her feminine and I am in my masculine, our relationship flows, right? Yeah. It, it flows because I trust her in her feminine. I feel safe in her feminine. And part of why I feel safe is I'm not being judged. I don't feel judged. I don't feel like we're in the drama triangle and I'm, I'm, I'm a villain, right? That's a, key, that's a key thing for me. And that allows me to relax. And then I may drift into the feminine a bit as well, but I, I can I can just be 
a powerful, strong man. And she's attracted to that, which allows her to be safer into a feminine, right? And then we're more likely to be more intimate, more sexual when we're in that space. And they also recognize that if she feels that I'm veering away from my healthy masculine, let's say, um, fine, let's use money as an example. If she doesn't feel that I am doing my job as a man to provide financial security for her, she will step into that masculine pole, but I haven't stepped out of it. So we are now like two ma- pole, which like two magnets repelling each other. I like the way that I see it metaphorically. We're two lions, male lions in in the same kind of field, and we just gonna go at each other. Like I I, I feel it. I'm just like I can walk into a room and I don't and I can just see the back of her head, and I know she's a lion. Like, and certain, certain environments are her, what I would say, masculine inducing environments. So if I go into the kitchen, I am at my window of tolerance as soon as I walk through the door. Like I, I, I am just about, I'm a comment away from flipping into my wounds. Like, because I associate the place with her masculine control rigidity, like the dishwasher needs to be loaded this way. The food needs to be labeled this way. You need to put my food. If you're going to do me gravy and chips, the chips need to be in one place and the gravy need to be in another. And all of that is super masculine to me. And I don't want it anywhere near me because I want you to be feminine, <laughs> right? And there's a, an extension of this, which is really important, I think, for, for this audience in particular. is is a real danger I've noticed that people f- access the feminine in drugs. So if people if people can access the feminine in alcohol, they can access the feminine in weed. And I, and I found that in both of my relationships with, with, with my two wives is there's a certain part of me that is repelled against that behavior because I lose connection to a certain degree when they take too much weed or they take too much alcohol. But then there's this other part of me that kind of enables it the behavior because it knows it's going to get a payoff because they're going to access the feminine and then I feel safe. And it's a fucking part of me that I despise because it goes against everything I believe in when it comes to drugs. But I'm just going to put it out there because that's how I feel and I'm sure other people feel that. If you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, why is it that I like my partner when she's drunk or when she's high, but I also don't like her? This is what's coming up for me is... I really recognize that that giddy feminine that just doesn't give a fuck about whether the chips need to go on the gravy or whether the fucking dish loaders. And because they don't give a fuck, I feel safe. <laughs> over, to you, over to you, Christian, your thoughts and comments on that. Again, you, you know, you're speaking of something so real. And again, I'll, I'll speak to the awareness, but I just want to be so upfront. I have no mastery over these things in my own life, but I have the awareness. And I yeah, know same exactly here. What you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like the kitchen thing, yeah, that's been a massive, a massive thing for me, and, and it creates this tension because it's like I cook a certain way. Okay, let's say you know you you and your partner cooks a certain way. Now, when someone takes over the domain, there's there's a few angles. There's like I, I surrender that and I hand that domain over and I come into full acceptance of that, or there's this like, it's almost like a tussle for power. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and this is, I'm not good at it yet, but this is what I'd say is 
it's me learning. If, if for example, if a woman is going to cook me meals all the time and just feed me and da, 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 and doesn't ask me, doesn't whatever, I'm just eating whatever's been given to me, I feel like a little boy, like my mum is cooking for me. And I feel, when you're talking about wound, I'm like, the wound is straight away there. But it is so, because I'm, my brain is thinking about work or, you know, this is what I mean by I need slow and linear. Yeah. I just let it happen. Yeah. Unless I'm so present in life to go, this is what I want for dinner. Like if I have some say in it or can you do this? I'm just going with this flow. But then I feel like a little boy versus, you know, a woman, say, who wants to nurture, who wants to feed, who wants to care for. It's in her instinct. But if, if for me as a man, I, I have a say in what I eat or I have, that's enough. I can then let, you know, her cook for me and do whatever and, and, and I don't care. But it's so subtle, right? It could just be that one sentence or two sentences that's not done and it creates this dynamic that for most couples or people, you should say, that don't have the awareness is unconscious and then they just go on like that. And then you talk about men in relationships staying in a little boy. They don't even know why, but it's because they haven't been speaking up about food in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's this unconscious now dynamic. And then you come to money, like there's these dynamics and relationships that are created everywhere, right? But what you're saying there is, again, I don't want to say what I'm saying is applies to everyone because all men and women and in between have different essences and everything. But I'm talking about the heterosexual experience that I've been in as a man, you know, attracted to woman of feminescence. But what you're saying there is, you know, if a, if a woman is running her own business and super on the go and I'm doing that, that's our masculine energies. Now, if we're just meeting like that, we can lose that intimacy and attraction And because it, my nature, my truth is, wow, I, if I walk into a room and the woman is painting or listening to playing beautiful music and singing, that brings me peace. That brings, like, and as a man, my number one or two things is peace and freedom. Yeah, but if she's, like, on the go, constantly on calls and da-da-da, you know, and I'm doing that in my life, I come home, I don't feel peace and free. I feel like I'm, like, oh, like repelled. Now, we can have that awareness in relationship, both have that awareness, but for me as a man, for a woman to step into that is undoing so much is that woman may not have felt safe for so much of her life, so she needs to provide for herself or feel that. Or, you know, she wants to be a go-getter, and that's completely fine. But can she switch that role when we're together in intimacy? But then that takes trust. And she may not have trust in men because of the father wound. She may not have trust in men because of all the previous relationships. But subconsciously, she probably created relationships and experience that show why there's not to trust the man. For me, my mother wound, do you know, she didn't love me the way I needed. So now here's another woman that just shows up and in my projection she's dominant and I can't be a man and she's holding my power back. And even though I know this, I still give my power away because what it requires of me is what I said before, the daily practices and in every micro moment. There's like moments, you know, I'll give you an example when you're in bed, lying there, lying next to your partner. And you have that switch moment of you know you need to get up and do your meditation or your practice or you can choose to cuddle a little longer. And me, nine times out of ten, I'll choose comfort. 
Mm. And then what happens? I am in my wound. Mm. I'm in boy psychology and I know it, but it's physiological. So it's those split moments that I needed to break through that and choose my meditation practice that builds up self-control, that builds up power over time. I will feel more powerful. I'll feel more clear-headed. I've done my meditation. We have that polarity and attraction. But in my experience, when I've made those choices wrong nine times out of ten, now most of my life is in wound because I'm insecure, but I've created that insecurity because I don't trust myself, because I know I can't trust myself, because I'm not choosing what is right for me, moment to moment. And then I might resent the woman, blame her, you know, all, all kinds of things, right? Oh, my mother, I hate my mother for these patterns she's given me, right? And what you're talking about, you know, it took you many years to take responsibility. But, you know, after the previous marriage, it's like, even though I know things, it is not easy to take full responsibility for everything. And I mean like at 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 an energetic level, but even in my language, Mm. in life, you know, in a relationship, again, all those competing things of work and family and, you know, like to take responsibility in a a partnership, right, is every time that I go off, that's impacting, as you say, the energetics of the relationship. That's impacting safety. We're, we're, we're two beings merging our consciousness into one consciousness. I look back at my parents and I go, wow, my mum got really mental health and stuff going on. I used to blame her, but I'm like, that's a man and woman creation, you know? Yeah, no, you, you're, you're right. I mean, this is why contradictions and hypocrisy are, are always deal breakers in relationships. There was a... There's a guy on my podcast. His name is Justice Justice Shanfarber, and uh, he he had a great little book. And uh, there was a chapter in con- on contradictions in the book. It was the first time I'd ever seen a relationship coach talk about it. Actually, it's super super toxic. You know, it's like me and Liza, we've been trying to trying to find a way to bring more intimacy and connection into our relationship. And obviously, I veer more towards the logic and the rational. So I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, so this is easy, right? What we do is every time we fight or get into conflict, once we've calmed our nervous system down, we come to each other, we sit down, and we take it in turns with almost like the, 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 the talking stick, right? And it's like our context of how we're going to run our relationship is we, each of us takes 100% responsibility for the way we respond, right? So we have a conflict and then we sit down later and I say, okay, I want to apologize for, let's say um, I walk into the kitchen and I put a plate in the dishwasher wrong. And Liza says, you put that plate in the dishwasher wrong. I told you a hundred times that that should go on the bottom, not the top. Use some sort of prick or something, right? And I go, call me a prick? Fuck you, right? (laughs) So in that example, I would then say, Earlier today, when you said I used some sort of fucking idiot or something because I put the plate in the wrong place in dishwasher, I want to take responsibility for calling you a prick. I do not want to call you a prick. I do not want to hold power over you like that. I do not want to torture you like that. I don't want to disrespect you for that. I'm really, really sorry that I did that, right? So that's that's how my rational break. If I do that all the time and you do that all the time, we will soften and we will feel seen, heard and stuff, right? <laughs> but then, like... <laughs> straight, straight afterwards, 
like I will find I will find myself unconsciously not wanting to, criticizing her for not doing the same thing. And just that critique means I am not doing the thing. So just by critiquing her for not taking 100% responsibility for how she responds, I'm actually falling into the same trap. So, so she's like pointing out the hypocrisy and the contradictions. And it takes me a while to see it like because I'm lost in that, that, that crazy fog, right? I don't see it. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I get it. So like, it is super complicated. The other thing I, I wanted to throw into this complication, and then we can just spend a couple of minutes. I know we've we've gone over time. Just giving people out there some comfort that there's a way out of this. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I I wanted to say that is confusing sometimes is I I just realized that in both of my marriages, both of my wives have sisters, and I can look at their sisters and see that my my wives have feminine sexual essences and their their sisters may have feminine sexual essences. I don't know. But I see the masculine in them. And there's a part of me that is not I would say fantasizing is the wrong word, but there's a part of me that is is thought, what would it be like to be in a relationship with that person? Because they are, they get me, right? Like they they they're asking me about my work. They're telling their husbands to work. They they seem to be work, 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 kingdom building, understanding that of their husband. And yet the wives that I've been with are, are kind of like, oh, no, no, fuck work. I, I want you here with a short for me and to be with a family, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a, there's a part of me that's been like, oh, they would get me, right? But then me and Liza recently had a, a big powwow, right? Where I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. We were questioning whether we wanted to put in the effort to make it work. And, and I went for a run. And as I'm running, I'm saying to myself, okay, what do you want, Lee? Like blue sky thinking, what do you want in a woman? And I'm running, I'm like, I want someone who is is at the core is beautifully feminine. So I feel safe. Oh, that's Liza. And I'm running a bit more. I want someone who is aesthetically beautiful to look at. I I, I got no bones about admitting that, right? Like I want I I I love beauty in the form. Oh, that's Liza. <laughs> I want someone who's fun and humorous and has a lot. That's Liza. I want someone who's a beautiful, nurtured parent. That's Liza. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I, I, I've got what I want. What am I running away from it for? All right. And what do Very you think the answer to that is? I think the I think there is a having gone through the experience of divorce, there is an almost an, a seductive and addictive feeling. The feeling of peace. The the feeling of being out of relationship. And not having those responsibilities anymore is so alluring and so attractive. I felt it when I left my 19-year railway career. I felt it when I left my 20-year relationship. You feel free. It's 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 a it's a it's a it's, and so when you're in another relationship, that's a fucking big pull. It's like this could all end now if I just left it, right? I, this would all end now, and everything will be okay, right? And it's this big, strong pull versus, no, there is a commitment here. I love this woman. Have I done enough to make this work? I think Alexi Panos said, don't leave a relationship until it's at its peak. And when it's at its peak and it's going really well, look at it then and say, is this what I want, right? Don't leave when you're in the ashes, when you're in the dirt. And me and Liza both looked at that and were like, yeah, we have not done enough yet to say that we can walk away from this and having children is obviously makes a big difference in my opinion, you know, like 
like we have a young child. So I think we have a duty to explore so much more to explore, right? So let's not yeah. let's not walk out on this yet. You know what I mean? I just want to acknowledge first just your honesty. You know, it's this is this is so real for so many people, and just how how frankly you speak of it. You know, with that honesty and just mm. yeah, respect to your family and just everyone. You know, it's, it's part of this process, but it's so important. I think people can feel that they can talk about these things too because so many people go through it, but I don't. They think they're alone or they just have no clue what the hell is going on, mm. you know. And that's kind of what you're saying, ignorance is bliss, yes, but people are, like, looking for answers or explanation or validation, really, that they're not alone. And, you know, what you're talking about there, this, the same applies to me. I am attracted to feminine essence, the, the polarity. You know, that's that's physics. That's, you know, that's batteries. That's nature. Yet it pisses me off. It triggers the hell out of me mm. because I want sameness. I want someone to do things the same as me you know, because it's just easy. The dishes, I want, you know, the dishes done the same. You want, you know, you're saying you want the, them to be on business, the same page as you, all this stuff, right? But it's like I have the same thing. It's like, oh, I just want to date a woman who's like me, you know, like organized. And then you'd hate, you'd hate it. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all the things, right? But, and this is the paradox of it, though. Now, my body and mind and nervous system, we all have this capacity, right, when you talk about relationships and, and compatibility and there's, there's a lot of factors that come into this, right? Like conflict is normal, repair is normal, and then there are going to be so many combinations of relationships, though, right? There's always going to be challenge, but there's like set up for success versus set up for failure, right, in, in terms of compatibility. But... What you're saying there, just it, it just brings me back to all I can say, and I don't have the answers yet, is how important it is for me to stay grounded in myself and what you're saying there, asking the question, what do I want? Mm. Having the space and time to myself, grounding with other men because they're going through similar challenges and, and just to have that, that kind of support. And then when you're talking about, you know, it, it's like what you want it's like the question that I see for myself is, you know, talking about responsibility and commitment, the freedom thing is like a man's holy thing is peace and freedom. Like I don't know whether you feel that, but it's like when I feel free, I feel great. When I feel peace, I feel great. That's where I do my thinking. That's where I can create more. Now a woman has a responsibility in a relationship to like we both have a responsibility to learn like true compromise and truly how to support the needs of the other. Because for me, if the woman can support me in feeling freedom and peace, then I have more capacity to live my purpose and support her in feeling safety. But I need to learn what that is, right? Mm -hmm. But what you say there is the, the freedom feeling. It's like who is to know the answers for all people out there? They leave a relationship and experience freedom. Maybe that's what they needed to do. They stay in the relationship and work to find freedom, maybe that's what, you know, they needed to do. But as you're aware, that commitment piece is such a block for so many men, right? Because it's like it's going to take away my freedom and whether it's unconscious or not. But this is the thing of I feel like on the journey, you know, I talk to older people, all these things. How many people go through a divorce? How many people go through betrayal? How many people are struggling, have their business fail? It's like whatever decisions we make, wherever we're at, you know, even if we know we're picking a wound, 
how can we just love ourselves for that or even the part of us that picked that and not shame ourselves and make regret but like what that's what I meant before by love self-love may not look the way it is and this isn't a reason to you know give easy excuses of the way out like it's that question you ask yourself have I given this everything I got and then being honest you know from there you know to, to, to choose no or go the opposite way or shut a business down or fail like to love ourselves through that as well because that yeah. could be the correct thing to do. I think um I think I'm going I'm going to end this by saying love is the love is the key. Who sang that? The verb was it? The love, love is the key. This is really strong powerful and I got to run because I got to um I got to wake yeah. my kid up kid up and take her to school and I don't think this is complete. So I'm going to run and I'll get back in touch with you. I'd like to do a part two because there's so much I want to explore on sexual polarity and sex. And so let's do a part two and weave into that. Cause I think today we've done a lot about being really open and sharing the confusion and us both being in that. But also I think like I'm strong in the chaos, you're strong in the chaos and, and we were able to portray that. And, and I want to give them all some, <laughs> maybe it's the masculine in me. I want to give them some structure of how they could like join in men's groups and uh, and uh, reading certain material and that kind of to get to learn more about it. So let me get back in touch with you. Is that okay? All right. Cheers, Christian. Love, much love. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that, right? So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review the podcast. If you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it, you could change somebody's life today, okay? So thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service. Also want to thank our producer, Stan. Um, Stan is still currently in the Ukraine, fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now, okay, apart from him. So everybody, send out your prayers and your love. Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol, you do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life. The ego is getting in the way too much. So you're not happy with the way life is going. Then reach out to us at thestrivemethod at gmail.com. Just say, Lee, and just tell me what is on your mind. And we'll start to have that conversation. Strive community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community. And it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Of creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structured. So we have assignments and they're really interesting, exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on, do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. Um, and strivers are really finding it exciting and they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that is has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you 
how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your, not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in your relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at strivemethod at gmail.com if you want to learn more. Okay, much love, everybody.